Hello and welcome back to Politics Unboxed Podcast. My name is Reese, and today uh, it is part one of uh, an interview that I did with a guy called Matthew. He's a friend of the podcast. Um, he approached me through through DMs. We got chatting, uh, and we come on and do a sort of a, a joint episode. I had him on as a as a guest for this one, uh, and he lives up in Scotland. And we had a good old talk about the Scottish elections and what it means. Uh, both in relation to independence and other key matters going forward. This is part one. There is a second part which will come out either later today or in the next couple of days. Uh, But this one focuses mainly on the Scottish elections. So without any further ado, let's jump in to today's episode of the Politics Unboxed podcast. So the SNP uh, have won their fourth election on the bounce in Scotland, gaining one seat overall to fall just one short of a majority. The Conservative Party north of the border have stayed put on about 31 seats, no change up, no change down. And Labour Party, they seem to have lost ground to potentially the Greens in overall support, dropping two seats to 22 and the Greens moving up two to eight. All that said, it still leaves the SNP in a very similar position to how they were as of the 2016 election. So I wondered, Matthew, what your thoughts are on how the SNP will look moving forward uh, and what this says about the national mood towards what seems to be the defining issue right now, which is... To me, um, I am a unionist by name, whatever you want to call it. Um, So I believe in... So if, my view was always with this election, it genuinely was on a knife edge. My view was always if the SNP had reached 65 seats on their own, they would have the grounds for the referendum or to ask for a Section 30 order. Because that's what this that's what happened back in 2011. I think they got 69, I think, might be wrong, but close, near rough than that. Um, but they didn't. So I think we are still where we were in 2016. As you said in your introduction, nothing's really changed. It's like one seat change only. The Greens have gone up and Labour's gone down, but other than that it's pretty this pretty much the same. Um, so do I think Nicola Sturgeon will be more demanding for a referendum? Yes. Do I think she will get it? I want to say no. Do I think she should get it? No. Because as I said earlier on, the reason Alex Salmon got it in 2011 is because he won the election outright without the Greens' support. And I don't buy, I know that, you know, you talk about coalitions, whatever, but at the end of the day, she did not win that, she she won that election, her party won that election, but they did not win it outright with a majority. And that's why Alex Salmon got his election, sorry, referendum, too many terms, in 2011. Uh, the uh, the way the SNP might try and roll back on that is that this system is, I guess, designed not to give majority governments. And the Green Party in uh, Scotland are a very pro-nationalist party. They are campaigning on that second independence referendum seat. So I think you're right to say the pressure will probably increase from Nicola Sturgeon and her allies north of the border on Boris Johnson. I wonder if he will be of a mind to put up a, a brick wall of, of opposition, or do you think he will be uh, 
empathetic and listen, but then eventually deny them? Will it be just sort of a flat denial or will there be talks at least? I would like to think so. Right now, I think it's just flat denial um, because that's been his premiership. That's been his rule throughout his premiership. Um, he goes with the line, as David Cameron did, uh, Theresa May did, that it was a once in a generation and seven years not a generation. Boris Johnson used the argument, I think it was Boris Johnson anyway, he said that um, the in-out EU referendum was 47 years after the first referendum. So that, to me, is an okay time for a generation, 47, 50 years, you know, not seven years. Um, I think they should probably discuss things um, because whether whether or not a Section 30 is granted, at least Boris Johnson would be able to think, you know, the Scotland Act 2016 came in, and obviously 2016, because of the demands that, not demands, promises David Cameron made to Alex Salmond in 2014, yeah. um, which devolved more powers. I wonder if there might be a Scotland Act Part 2 saying, so I won't give you a referendum, but do you want more control over, for example, do you want more, I don't know, tax? Because that was what she was talking about with the furlough scheme. She would have extended the furlough scheme if she'd had more borrowing powers. Well, maybe there's a bit of a discussion for that. Um, just for argument's sake, there might be a, I would be happy with a Scotland Act Part 2. Um, as opposed to a referendum. But I do come back to if she'd won the referendum, not the referendum, sorry, the election, outright 65 seats. And that's always been my rule is I'd held my hands up and say, okay, you've you've won this election outright, have your referendum. Me as a unionist would have been, okay, well done, congratulations. Um, the other thing to think about with this election is it wasn't an independence election. You know how they say 2019 was a Brexit election? This yep. year was not an independence, like this year was a COVID. I, I, I came back up, the whole campaign, I was thinking, what's the COVID effect going to be? You look at America in 2020, Joe Biden eventually walked that election because of COVID. And whether I'm wrong or right or not, I don't know. I've always said that Donald Trump would have walked it had it not been for COVID. That's my perception. I obviously don't live in America, but my understanding of, and then when the American exit poll came out, said that the economy was the first priority and um, mm. I thought oh Trump actually might win this <laughs> and obviously Covid did actually win in the end which is great for America anyway I'm getting off topic but the reason I mentioned that is because um, the Covid effect and James Matthews from Sky talked to someone who was moaning sorry he caught he caught on camera someone moaning to Sturgeon <laughs> saying that he voted for the SNP because she'd done well with Covid not for a referendum which is what she had been saying throughout the whole campaign. But as soon as she wins the camp the election, she's referendum, 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 referendum. It's as if it was almost two sides. It was almost, I'll campaign on COVID, but I'll take your vote to be an independence vote. And that was what they got, that was what that guy was saying. And I wondered if that's what people people voted for Sturgeon because of her handling of COVID. Because I'll be honest, she's done a very good job of COVID. She has. Um, there have been problems, but there's been problems everywhere. No country has been perfect, not even New Zealand, who have basically wiped it out. That everyone's made mistakes with COVID, and I think a lot of people would have voted for Sturgeon for a COVID vote. Sorry, I feel like I'm rambling, but 
No, no. Uh, it's good. I think there was an analysis by Sir John Curtis, who's uh, yes. the, the polling guru and he's professor up at the University of, of Strathclyde, right. I believe. Yeah. Um, it was showing in the constituency vote, certainly, less so in the regional votes, that there could be up to about 15 to 20% of the SNP vote is almost a personal vote for Sturgeon and a vote of confidence in the handling of this COVID crisis, which would lead into suggestions that actually the SNP is more than an independence party, which of course it is. It does have uh, complex social, economic and healthcare policies around them uh, and would suggest that the SNP cannot take for granted the support of independence with a vote for the SNP. I want to turn briefly to the main unionist parties uh, because the Conservative Party shot into second place in Scotland in the 2016 Scottish elections and the 2017 general elections and has maintained that position now. There was a time where there were more pandas in Scotland than Tory MPs and now the Conservatives have nine more MSPs than the Labour Party. That's, I believe, more than at any point in the history of the Holyrood Parliament. So I wonder what you thought that meant for the state of unionism north of the border. Is it now that Conservatives are the force to challenge the SNP? Or is there more support for Labour than their polls showing are suggesting? So that's an interesting question because I have never been a fan of Douglas Ross. I thought he was a bit weak as a leader. Um, however, he did run a, eventually ran a very good campaign. And he ran on a slogan, um, Peach Vote Tory. I think it was Peach. If you don't know what Scottish politics, if you don't know how the election system works, I got a yellow ballot and a peach ballot. My yellow ballot was my constituency ballot and my peach ballot was my regional ballot, which is what led to Alex Salmond eventually winning majorities because he won the region. Anyway, um, so he ran on a campaign to see the peach vote, your regional vote, Tory. As, so he, Douglas Ross worked out that Nicholas Sturgeon was going to swing this eventually to independence. So he ran on a very anti-independence campaign and it worked because I was expecting the Tory vote to go down, not the vote, the seat tally to go down. Didn't think we'd gain any seats. I thought they would go down. I, I thought it'd be much closer for second place to be honest. Um, but in my head, SNP had won a majority. That was my expectation of the election. I assumed they'd win a majority because of the COVID effect. Um, so Douglas Ross, given his due, was able to intentionally or not see in the future and see what she would do. And he ran on a campaign eventually that said Peach Vote Tory, and it worked. Because if you look at, if you watch, if you look at the swings from SNP to Conservative or to, uh, Labour to conserve the swings are huge. The swings mm. were like five, six percent in some big places. And again, it, again, it takes me back to the 2019 election. A lot of majorities for the SNP were slashed from like 5,000 to like, you know, 100 or roughly. Um, yep. There were several seats like that where the Tories came very, very close to actually taking them. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see what Douglas Ross is like, what Douglas Ross is like in Parliament, because he's not a Ruth Davidson. Ruth Davidson was an Astrid, was a very good speaker, a very good leader when she was leader. And the difference between her and Jackson Carlow when she retook over was night and day. Um, mm. 
I think Jackson Carlo made the right decision to design when he was in. It came out of the blue, but made the right decision to design. Um, and I'd be interested to see what Douglas Ross is like because he's proven himself to actually be a good campaigner, which I wasn't expecting because he seems a bit dry, to put it bluntly. Yeah, that's one way of that's one way of looking at Douglas Ross. Of course, Douglas Ross now uh, moving back into the Scottish Parliament. He's got a, a seat there. He had just been, I believe, MP for Moray. MP for Murray, Murray. Uh, Still MP for Murray. Uh, but now he will have that seat to be able to challenge uh, Nicola Sturgeon in the uh, Holyrood Parliament. See and on that, that will... topic. Sorry, mm-hmm. on that. Sorry, on that topic. Um, there are calls for him to design his Westminster seat. Um, because Neil Gray, who's now the MSP for Airdrie and Shots, resigned his Westminster seat for Airdrie and Shots pre-election. Now, yeah. I didn't agree with that because I think he took a gamble. If he'd lost the uh, the Scottish election, he'd have been out altogether, he wouldn't have been a politician anymore. Uh, but Douglas Ross, I thought Douglas Ross would resign his seat. He hasn't yet. I think he should because I don't believe in dual sittings. I've never believed that. I almost think you have one allegiance, whether it's Scottish Parliament or Westminster Parliament. So that's yes. something I think Nicholas Sturgeon will use and potentially Anna Cyber will use. Yeah. Um, this is another. Yeah, I think one thing that Douglas Ross will have is now, as you say, this widespread backing from the Scottish Tories because he's been shown uh, that this election he can do well in. Uh, he sort of earned his chance to really have pretty much free reign over the, the Scottish Tories at the moment, especially now as Ruth Davidson, who, if she'd stayed in Holyrood, might have been a, a figure around which other Scottish Tories, if they were dissatisfied with Ross, could coalesce. Now she's moving down to the House of Lords. Uh, I think Douglas Ross is now the main power base for the Scottish Tories. As you said, Jackson Carlow, who used to be the um, the party leader, uh, he doesn't have the same the same pull, the same draw. I think it's what happened when Jackson Carlow took over. Back back when he took over, I think people were like, "You're not Ruth Davidson. You're not Ruth Davidson. You're not Ruth Davidson." And when the rightful criticism of of Jackson Carlow came about, people were like, "Well, Ruth's there. Why can't she do the job?" Yeah. As you say, she's not there anymore. So it's all Douglas because. You know, um, Annabelle Goldie, who was the leader before Ruth Davis, and she's a lord as well now. So mm. there's only two leaders of the Tories in Parliament just now, Douglas Ross currently, and formerly Carlo, but Jackson Carlo wasn't very popular. Sorry. Yeah, no, no. Um, now, the, the other main unionist party, if we turn to the, the Labour Party now, there have been hopes for Anna Sauer, uh, leader of, of Scottish Labour. He was almost parachuted into post about seven weeks before the election. He really didn't have much of a run-up. Uh, yeah, a very, very short time before the election. And there were high hopes. And initially, he seemed to be, be doing all right. In sort of as the first tallies came through, you saw some SNP majorities being cut by Labour candidates. And now when all seats are counted, the Labour Party are down two seats. Uh, they've lost a percent of their share of votes in constituencies. They've lost over a percent of their share in the regions. It hasn't been a good overall election for Labour. But do you think Anna Sawa might be the man to rebuild and redefine 
Labour's image as they try and get back to where they used to be in Scotland, if they ever will get back to where they used to be in Scotland? The simple answer to that is yes. I think I think Anna Sarwar, um, it was just timing, to be honest. He should have won back when Kezia Dugdale resigned. Fair enough, the Scottish Labour people voted for Richard Leonard. That's that's democracy. You know, that's fine. You know, um, but Richard Leonard, in hindsight, was not the right person to take that job on. If Richard Leonard had resigned last year, Anna Sarwar could have had a year in post. He had 10 weeks, I think it was. I've just looked, I think it was 10. But he had 10 weeks in post. That's not enough to win an election. There's no way. And actually, to do as well as he did, considering the criticisms of Richard Leonard, I have to hand it to him. Um, and do I... It's a similar question to the English Labour Party. You know, the English Labour Party are in tatters right now. And I was very much a supporter of Keir Starmer becoming leader. I thought genuinely, if you look at the, th- the three people who were standing for that leadership, um, Keir Starmer, Lisa Nandy and Rebecca Long-Bailey, he stood out like a long shot um, yeah. to be leader of the Labour Party. And again, it's COVID effect. He, he has not been able to be the opposition because you don't want to oppose, you don't want to oppose government policy on a pandemic. So I wonder, once COVID is done and all that's all it's said and done, will Keir Starmer, same with Anna Starmer, will they be able to show them what they're actually made of? Like, it's, it is difficult right now for any party to oppose the government, whether it's opposing Mark Drakeford, whether it's opposing Arlene Foster, who is resigning, or whether it's opposing Boris Johnson, whether it's opposing Nicholas Sturgeon, it is difficult because you don't want to be opposing a governing party right now during COVID. And I, I can't remember who said it, but someone said it on TV that was these these elections, whether it was the Hartlepool by-election, whether it was the English, no, yeah, the English made the English elections, Scottish elections or Welsh elections, people voted in confidence of the government leading the pandemic. Yeah. Now, Labour in Wales had a different story because they were already in power. So that's that's a difficult one. You know, who knows what would happen then? But people voted for the party governing the country through COVID. Yeah. So what will happen when COVID is over? That's the interesting question. To go back to your question about Anna Sarwar, do I think Anna Sarwar is the right person? Yes, because um, I thought he was a bit iffy to start with, but he has grown on. He's come across as a good speaker. He's able to be soft when he needs to be, but at the same time, when he gets feisty, and needs to really moan at Sturgeon, he can do it. And I I hope he is the right person because, not from a historic, I know he gets all the stick, stick's not the right word, I know he gets all the, he's the first Asian leader of a party, but that doesn't matter to me anyway. If he's yep. the person for the job, black, white, green, purple, whatever you are, I don't care. If you are the person for the job, which genuinely I think he is, you can, he will hopefully, be able to come up and I think it was unfortunate for him to lose two seats across the whole country considering the problems Richard Leonard had is actually quite good and give me his due but he put up a good fight he put up a good fight in Glasgow South said he lost by less than 10,000 votes yeah nine and a half thousand he lost by something like that anyway give me his due he's good against the first one in Scotland Um, so give him his due Um, yeah so 
one person who doesn't look like the right person for the moment is Alex Salmond, as the Alba or Alba party uh, failed to make any headway. Um, is that it for Alex Salmond in Scottish politics? First of all, that's not a surprise. Um, yeah. Part of me was, as a unionist, part of me was hoping for a Brexit party effect. If you remember back to 2019, the Brexit party split the vote in yep. much every constituency in England. And there are many MPs, Ruth, and not Ruth, um, Yvette Cooper, for example, would have lost a seat had it not been for the Brexit party. Um, and again, I don't, I was going to mention this at the end, but I mentioned now the Hartlepool by election. I'll just mention it very briefly. The Hartlepool by election, obviously, the Tories won. People are saying, oh, it's a moan against Q Storm. It's not, because they would have won. If it hadn't been for the Brexit party, the Tories would have won back in 2019. So, if you, because uh, Richard Tice got 10,000 votes and Tory candidate in 2019 got 10,000 votes, it's roughly that. And if you add them together, it's more than the Labour vote anyway. So, Maybe that's just me, but that's what I assume would have happened. So I don't think it's... Now, every other vote across the country, yes, I can say that as being an anti Keir Starmer vote because, you know, he's had a year to do it, but the Hartlepool by-election, that's the most Brexit area in the country. And they've put up... Uh, Paul Williams, I think that was his name, who was a Remainer, voted for a second independence referendum. Yeah. You know, it was like the worst possible candidate. Plus, there was no Brexit party. Anyway, to go back to your point about uh, Alba or Alba, um, do I think that's it for Alex Salmond in Scottish politics? Um, um, I don't know. And I'll tell you why. Because I thought he was biding his time to come back anyway, pre-Alba. Um, I thought he would have stood, whether as an independent or... Or, a, or an Alba party. The Alba party was never going to work because it's two parties for independence and everybody knows who the SNP are. Like, yeah. It's like if you it's like if you put up oh, I don't know. Say for example, Keir Starmer was to move in constituency and face off against you as a Tory. Like just just for arguments, if you're standing as a Tory and Keir Starmer's a Labour Party a Labour candidate. Keir Starmer's got the name value. Yep. So Keir Starmer, the name value, more than likely would get votes over you. I thought that was what would happen, but it was, he was never going to make enough votes because he needed like 5% in the vote to get, even get a chance of being on the list. It was never going to yeah. happen. And I think every, I th Alex Salmond, I think, will be fine going forward because Alex Salmond has got his place in history. You know, he yep. won. He won. He did something that shouldn't have happened, which was won an election in Scotland outright with the majority. That shouldn't have happened. Yeah. He was first, he was, um, first minister between 2011 to no, 2007, 2011 for a decent length of time. And he got, he ultimately lost, but he got enough votes for a Section 30 order. So Alex yep. Hammond done well for himself. Um, I, I, I kind of hope he comes back because I think the SNP need a big beast like that. When Nicola Sturgeon eventually goes, whatever that is, there's mm -hmm. nobody else of her calibre. Yeah. You know, I, I've i obviously lived in Scotland, so there's no... I can't see anybody with her calibre of politician. So I look at um, John Swinney, 
well, his record in education is terrible. Nobody likes him. You know, he might be good MSP, but he's not a very good education secretary. The example, again, I can back, so I live in Eastern Bartonshire where um, Joe Swinson was MP. Okay. A great local MP. I actually, I actually liked her as a local MP, but she was not a very good leader of the Lib Dems. And that's what happened. And that's, she, she kind of got hit both ways. She got hit with the, the, in the SNP rise. So it wouldn't have mattered who she was, but also she got hit by people were annoyed at the fact that she was not up here at all. I think I've seen her like twice in the campaign trail. That might be doing her, that might be doing her a disservice to be fair, but um, not very often on the campaign trail um, sure. locally. And it's the same effect down there. They need a big, they need a big voice and they're a big personality and they don't have one, which is why where I think Alex Salmon would be good. I don't think he'll ever come back in the SNP because of the whole sexual harassment claims and the um, mm -hmm. committee that they had. I don't think he'll ever come back, but I just, they need somebody like him. A big, a big personality to come back. Um, I wonder if he'll be in some sort of leadership role, like, no, sorry, a mentor role, that's what I mean. Like mentoring someone else to be the next Alex Salmond, whoever it is. Um, yeah. And maybe he might take a back seat in politics, but I don't think he's done. Maybe frontline politics, yes, but I don't think he's done in politics as such. That is... Yeah, that's that's going to be very interesting to watch what Alex Salmon does try to do next. Um, I see the Alba Party was not finished. Now, what that means, I don't know. Mm. But the Alba Party didn't do well. No. The Brexit Party, the Brexit Party did extremely well in 2019. Um, as in, votes-wise, they did very well. Seats-wise, obviously, they did, but that's our system. But, yeah. Um, they did. They did better than. They did much better than Alba. Alba came yes. near. So again, you have to ask yourself why. To me, it's because the Brexit Party were clever. The Brexit Party were like, well, you're not a Tory, but you're a Brexit voter. You're not going to want to vote Tory. I'll give you an independent Brexit vote. Yeah. Which is what they gambled, which is what they gambled on, and, and one, it just took away from. We could have had an even bigger. Tory majority just now. I don't know what I mean. Now, I know why the Brexit Party did what they did, and it worked. But it's not the same with independence. Yeah, I mean, the, the independence party is the Scottish National Party. Exactly. You know, if, you know, if, you're, if you ask anybody who, who, who is the party of independence, well, it's the SNP. Yeah. You're not going to say, it's like if you say, I don't know much about Irish politics, but Sinn Féin are a party of Irish, indep Irish not independence, um, Unification. Uh, um, yep. Are there any other parties for Irish unification? I genuinely I don't know, but that's my point. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? That's my point. Yeah. It's it's the name recognition is already so ingrained. This is the party. They've been going on about it for, exactly. for decades. And it's now Alba. Okay, I they mean, have Alex Salmond, who was the face of the SNP once. Yeah. He is not the face of the SNP anymore. Exactly. The SNP is a new identity and it is solid. Exactly.
so that's where I'm going to leave this part of my chat with Matthew. Uh, there is going to be a second part that's going to be out either later today or in the next couple of days, as I said at the start of the episode. If you did like that uh, little chat, uh, please feel free to, to like this podcast, put a, a rating wherever you get this podcast, and send any feedback. Any feedback is more than welcome. You can get in touch uh, through the Instagram, which is at politics.unboxed. Uh, Facebook is Politics Unboxed. Twitter is at Politics U, that's the letter U, not Y O U. Uh, and the email is politics.unboxed at outlook.com. You can get in touch through our website as well, which is politicsunboxedpodcast.wordpress.com. Um, if you have any ideas for future episodes or want to get in touch about possibly appearing on an episode, please feel free to get in touch as well. Uh, but that is all for today's episode of the Politics Unboxed Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. I hope to see you all around again soon with the next episode of the podcast. And until then, goodbye. Mm-hmm.